There was this price that Christ paid for us. And we can't just overlook it. Because that price counts for us. And all we can do is to appreciate him for what he had done for us. And very importantly, it is good to mention that the works of Christ did not only free us from sin. Very interestingly, it does that. We receive liberty because Jesus took our place. But that is not all. Our coming to acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of our life gave him a rightful claim of us. That is now Jesus can claim that you are his lawfully. He has the right to say that because we are his really. Yet more importantly, we are going to mention that just as we are his, we also inherited something in him, very important still. We don't speak much on this aspect. We always talk about coming, submitting our lives, and, you know, being humbled, um, working with God. But we still go through life depressed. We go through life confused. We go through life, you know, not knowing what, what, what the future holds. We are suppressed humiliated, harassed, assaulted by the devil. And we sing consolation songs. All of those songs. So console ourselves. But if salvation is true and Jesus became our Lord, then it also makes that all that became of Christ became of us. So what Christ gave us is not just himself as a sacrifice. Because that Christ was not just a lamb, he's also a king. As a lamb, he offered himself for redemption. But as a king, he brought us to reign with him. Hallelujah. And the end result is that we are his people. Consequentially, all that is ascribed to our Lord belongs to us because we are members of that family. You know, the, the way Apostle Paul put it is, is that we are co heirs or joint heirs, and you have got to work with that. And the reason why you should know that the devil cannot arrag you, cannot touch you, because Jesus bought you, he didn't just buy you as a slave to work for him, he gave you his authority. And when I say give you the authority, I mean his authority means that you have the backing of heaven to extend the kingdom. So if today you go to one remote village where there is no network, there is no automobile, and I mean there's no good roads, no access road, no hospitals, and basic amenities as we have in the cities here. Let's say in that village, the Ogbonis, fraternity, and other courts group dominate that area. What God is saying is that in that place, I've given you an authority. 
You are not going there as one to be pitied, as one to, you know, just be kicked. By the way, no, you have authority. Let me show you something very quickly from Ephesians as I solidate um, these truths of the scripture. You have the authority of Christ. He's your Lord. And it's not just your Lord. Everything he owns, he owns. Now, let me just model the scripture first. Let's see how the devil does his own kingdom because he has a kingdom. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says that he delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, the power there does not mean that um, the devil is trying to bully us, although he does that to people who don't know him. And he does that to people who have even been saved, who are not conscious or who are ignorant of what, he, of what Christ has done for them. But when the scripture says that he delivered us from the power of darkness, what the scripture is showing us that we were actually delivered from the authority. In other words, the devil had a legal ground. Look at what he told Jesus Christ. He said, bow down to me and I will give you the kingdom of this world for it has been given unto me. In other words, he said, look, I have the legal ground. Authority is the right to. So the devil does not just only use power on us, though he uses that. But that the reason why he has power is because he has a kingdom. And the word kingdom is very simple, a king and his domain. So he has a, a sphere of, 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 of influence. And the, 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 the scripture calls him the prince of this world. That is this kingdom. Not just El alone. Or El is not his. El was created by God as a way of punishing even the devil himself and those who rebel including the fallen angels. But he had his kingdom in the second heaven and he had the authority in the second heaven influence this material world. So when the scripture says that Christ delivered you from the power of darkness, the scripture meant to tell you that or remind you the fact that you are no longer, on, you are no longer under the government of the devil. That is as simple as that. I wish you remember this always. And he said, he translated us to the kingdom of their son. Now, it's not just that he translated us into a kingdom to be a refugee. No. He said that kingdom he translated us into is the kingdom of his own son. So, a way of saying that he translated us to a kingdom which Jesus is the king of. And if he is our brother, you know, the scripture calls us brethren. Then it means that we reign with him. Now, okay, a scripture is coming to substantiate that. Romans chapter 5. For where sin is, grace is much more available. And those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness oh i like that carries x dkucna grace of righteousness the enablement to live the way god wants to live and those who receive that gift of god's life called righteousness actually righteousness is god's life 
they will reign that, that is what i want to i want to pick they will reign in life and amazingly the scripture did not tell us whether this life or the next um you know another portion of the scripture told us he said that we have the promise of life that now is and that which is to come second Peter chapter one told us that we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness so godliness means the god kind of life so life would be maybe about life so he now says that we will reign and to reign it means you've got the authority to do nobody reigns except you have a kingdom or a power is bestowed on you okay let me let me say it this way I will just show you two scriptures to say what I want to say, then I will show you Ephesians, then I round off. Look at Revelation chapter 13. I want us to see the system of devil's government and how he delegates power because authority is delegated power. Glory be to God. It's delegated power. So I want you to see that power delegated actually. Then uh, we begin to tell you that you share of Jesus' power. I'm going to show you two scriptures. Or maybe three. Let me I can act I can act at chapter twenty-seven. Hallelujah. And I want to say this the authority you have is a delegated one. Never forget that. You are acting on behalf of God. Authorities having God's backing. It is ruling on behalf of God. It is what Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says. We are God's ambassador. It is what First John chapter 3 says, 3 or 2 says that as it is, so we are in this world. Actually, the, that scripture tells us who he is. He is love. So we are love. We are to showcase love. He is light. We are light. He is life. We are life. In other words, when you come to a place where there is death in a relationship, death in the family, death in the place of health, death in finances, when you go there, you take solution there. And it will spring forth by the Spirit of the Lord, depending on how you hasten the whole process and how you enforce your authority. Hallelujah. Now, authority does not mean that you should be boss here. Don't, don't get that. But let me just show you that scripture so I won't stay long. Revelation chapter 13, from verse 1 and 2. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his head, Ten crowns and upon his head the name of blasphemy. Now, before I read further, it's pertinent to mention that the scripture is both literary and symbolic. In most cases, the symbols are to indicate spiritual matters. For instance, um, in Revelation chapter 12, we saw a dragon. And as we read on, the scripture told us that that dragon is, was the old serpent. So in other words, 
the serpent that was mentioned that came to receive Eve is not actually serpent like snake you see around. It's not one of those snakes. It's not cobra or whichever one you know. That serpent is a symbol for the devil. So if the scripture mentioned that the serpent came to deceive Eve, then it meant that if a symbol came to that story, it meant that the whole story could even be symbolism. A kind of allegory. Hallelujah. So look at the scripture. So when it's mentioned seas, is the, the sea is a symbol of nations or people. Hallelujah. And we saw that even in Revelation chapter 1. When John saw seven candlesticks and seven stars, and Jesus said, These are symbols. So if you express symbols, some of them are interpreted and some of them were left uninterpreted. When the Holy Ghost ministered them to you, pick them up. Look at the 11 stars, the moon, and the sun. Jacob saw. Or what's the name of that guy? Joseph, rather, saw was a symbolic description of his family, Israel, or the nation of Israel. And also we saw that in Revelation chapter 12. The level, the, 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 how many, how many, how many, how many stars now? And here appeared, Revelation chapter 12 verse 1. A great wonder in heaven, a woman created with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. So 12 stars, the 12 tribes of Israel. God is Israel. But that scripture will not say, I'm talking about Israel. That scripture mentions the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars. So by revelation, I mean, sorry, by the account we have in Genesis, you are able to interpret scriptures. That's what I'm saying. So this is what would be in time to come. I saw upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise out, out of the sea. That tells us that the Antichrist is going to come out of, of the people. It's not going to be a ghost. It's going to be a human, but it's going to be a beast. I know you use beast to describe the word demon, and beast is used to describe anybody whose values does not does not um, concur. I don't want to use the word concur. Does not agree with that of man values. When you say, ah, she's a beast. That is, she has practices that negates or that is contrary to the acceptable values. So this beast would be a creature whose life would be in opposition to the norm that had been on the earth. Having seven heads and ten horns, I know horns represent authority, and upon his horns ten crowns, the ones represent power or authority or kingdom. Then over them, there is a government crown. And upon his head, the names of blasphemy. Now, this is where I'm going. And the beast, which I saw was like a leopard. And his feet were the feet of a bear. And as mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. Now, what and who is the dragon? The devil. So he's not talking about allegory. The story of uh, Ijabati Roku and then snake and the tortoise and, you know, lion and tiger, you know, fighting. No. He's talking about spiritual realities. Then he now said that the dragon, the devil, delegated his power, his dunamis, 
is the ability to cause a change and affect something. He committed it to him, to the beast, and a seat. Now check the word seat. It takes his position and great authority. Now, if the devil can do this, is an imitation of what God did to us. That's what I, that's what I want to pick. Now that beast is the Antichrist. So he derived his power from the devil. And you see that this beast also had to delegate his power to the false prophet and gave the false prophet power also to perform miracles. So in the same light, Christ gave you power. Okay. So that it won't be as though we are using the devil as a case study. Let's look look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Why is it the devil? Why, why, why is it the devil? And not Jesus. 19. Luke 10, 19. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So the devil has power, but he does not have authority. <clears throat> God is not backing him up. We are the one God is backing up. And nothing shall by any means alter. Can you hear that? I give you power. Now let's look at chapter 10, verse 1 now. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. Oh, Luke chapter 10, I mean 11 now. Luke chapter 10. Okay, verse 1. Okay, we read 25 before. Okay, let's read verse 1 now. After these things, the Lord appointed other 17 also and sent them two and two. Appointed seven, 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore, he said unto them, The harvest is great, but the laborers have you prayed, yea, therefore, that the Lord of harvest that would send forth laborers into his harvest. Oh, what I really want to pick is that portion that talks, okay, it's chapter 9, verse 1. I'm very sorry, chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Power is the ability to control others by the means of threat. In other words, we can threaten the devil. And as we threaten him, he leaves. You know, a story coming to mind now was the case of Eyalin. Some guys were trying to cast out the demon and the demon refused to go. And Eyalin just came and said, hey, I am a yelling. That is a threat. He had not prayed. He had not even used authority. He had not cast out the devil. Them. It was just a threat. That is power. That you came around in the church and people start falling and you did some demonstration. That is just power. But authorities are blessed to effect change. And in authority, we don't, we don't use energy. We just speak because of the authority under which we have. Never you forget that um, that um, centurion in Matthew chapter 9. He told Jesus, said, look, I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And if I tell one to go. So in authority, you decree. Because the God who gave us the authority is a king. So the devil has no option than to comply. So today, if I will be praying for those of you who are sick, the sickness worrying you will go. If I'm a member of that of, of, of Christ's kingdom, then I have his authority. Then I can pray for the sick and they will recover. 
Not because I fasted and prayed so much. This is my heritage. Power is right by the virtue of whom you serve. The devil gave the beast his power. Check that. More interestingly, he see it. So he was acting on his behalf. So the devil does not need to, to, to be physically present during the great tribulation. He will delegate authority. And that which he had in mind will be done. Hallelujah. See, I have the authority of heaven. And it's backing me up now. Okay, let me clear round off. Let me show you two more scriptures. Then I go to the main test I want to show you. Acts chapter 26, verse 10. Very interesting scripture also. Hallelujah. My God. Glory be to God. Verse 10. I will read from verse 9 so that we can understand it. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This was Paul. He said he felt he's going to do many things anti the gospel but god arrested him now look at what happened verse 29 now which things i also did in jerusalem he started it actually and many of the same did i shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priest and when they were put to death I gave my voice against them. Now, check it. What we are picking from this scripture is that Paul said, I got authority. I got authority. So, authority is delegated. That's the point I want to pick. And the word authority there means exoxia, the privilege, the force, the capacity, the right, the competency, the freedom, the mastery, the magistrate, the superhuman, the, the pen. The, the potentate or the token of control or the delegated influence to control or to take over territory. Now, let me show you another way authority comes. We are looking at the, 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 the derivatives of our authority, how we got the authority we are using. We got it in Christ because he had given us all authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, Acts chapter 27, I'm going to read from verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, losing end the seal, close by Crete, but not long after the not long after they arose against it a temperate wind called Juruclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running on that certain island, which is called Clodda, we had much work to come by the boat. Let me jump because of time. Verse 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest the next day, then lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Okay, let me jump because of time. Verse 21, and after, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sas, you should have hearkened unto me and, and, and not have losing from Crete and to have gained this arm um, and loss. And now I exhort you 
to be of good share, for there shall be no loss of any man's life along among you, but of the sheep. For there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord. Genesis chapter 18, the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ. There's no time to explain that. The angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Whereof, sirs, be of good share, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now, check that. Paul said, I believe him. No, he has so much work with God that he knows the voice of God. I'm saying, Look, I believe him. Whatever he tells me will come to pass. But what we want to pay from this uh, narrative is that Paul told us the basis of his authority, why he was so sure that despite the tempest, despite the contrary wind, that they will be secure. And what was it? He said, the person who spoke to me is the person whom I serve and who I belong to. And you know, we are we are bought to the price by the blood of Jesus. So the person we belong to is Christ. So authority is delegated. The same thing I'm saying. We got it from Christ because we serve him. Because we respond to his love. Not that we love him, but we receive the one he, he, he showed. Now, the scripture I want to show you, uh, sorry, I want to show you rather, is in Ephesians chapter 1. It's a very long scripture, but it's worth saying. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're going to read from verse 13. In whom ye also have trusted after you've heard the word of truth, that is, in Christ we trusted, in Christ we believed. The gospel of your salvation, the gospel is what brings about salvation. In whom also, after you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Check that. Two things happened the day we believed. One, we were saved, and two, we were sealed with the Holy Ghost. Verse 14. Which is the earnest, the word earnest then is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of purchased possession, purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Then verse 15, Whereof I also have to have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you and to give, cease not, verse 16, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That is interesting. That is, we need a spiritual aid to understand him. That's what he's saying. And that aid is the Holy Ghost. Who is to manifest himself as a spirit of revelation. The spirit, Numa ek es apocalypse. That is the spirit that make known to us that which we don't know. That's the Holy Ghost. And the spirit of wisdom. That is, Numa ek es sophia. Which means the spirit that helps us to do what we need to do. Now, verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, simply put, that you may understand, that you may see, that you may acknowledge, that your eyes may be opened, that you may be enlightened, that you may be trained. So that's what it means by the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may be too tall, that you may be trained, that you may, you may, you may, you may conceive. Not conceive as it were, but to internalize, I don't want to use the word internalize. To, to that is we don't know you. I think that's better off. 
that he may give you that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling mark that there are four things he raised here that you may know the hope of his calling one and that you may know what is the riches of the glory this is where i'm going to know what the riches now the word riches in the greek word is the word plutos and plutos is a possession or abundance or riches or valuable bestowment that is that you may know what he has bestowed on you or that you may know the quality of his grace or the, the riches the power of his grace of his inheritance now check that what i'm focusing on is the word to know the riches of the glory that is to know the qualities of the glory of his inheritance that is he has an inheritance in the saints that is god has some deposit thing deposited things in you and that thing is so vital it's like a gemstone to make you see what is the riches what is the quality of the totality of all he owns in you and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you oh that is interesting who believes so if you believe there is a power that is excessively lavish on you and the measure of that power the scripture told us it is according to the working of his mighty power the same which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world that is the fear of our influence not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet mark those words and gave him to be the head over the church so one of the positions jesus christ has aside being the place of authorities that has been in the place of authorities also the head of the church so he gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body so the the, the, the church is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in us so the fullness of him that filleth all in us that is the church which is you are to be the expression of who christ is but my emphasis primarily is that you may know what is the riches of his glory of his inheritance that's an archaic english if i want to simplify that the scripture is telling us that there is a deposit in you and then it has some worlds and these worlds are immeasurable it's just like saying that you bought a research and you kept it in your safe or piggy bank fortunately the worth of that research is 50 times the piggy bank and that we are possible put that is that say we have a treasure in an earthly vessel so there is a treasure it is more vital than the elite vessel in other in the, the earthly vessel in other words you are just a hideout in this body you are actually bigger than this body you carry this body is just a constraint and don't let it cheat you of the authority you carry god said i have invested in you something that is great and exceeding he said he has an inheritance and inheritance is what you own actually the greek word for the word inheritance is the word 
is the word kleronomia or kleronomia. Now, the word kleronomia means airship, a owner of something. What am I saying? It says, God has bestowed his authority. And you are to cause influence by his. Can you bless God? Worship God for this grace. Can you worship him for this? You have the authority of heaven. You have the backup of your father. Hallelujah. Worship him. Worship him.